0: Welcome to Brilliant, the podcast with a French accent, which gives a voice to women who move the lines. My name is Jeanne Sartel, and between Zurich, where I live, and Paris, where I come from, my goal is to meet the sparkling, powerful, talented, and inspiring women with atypical typical backgrounds and beautiful projects, to understand what drives them and makes them move forward. Discussions that I hope will encourage you to think outside the box, cross your boundaries, and develop your own brilliant projects. She leads three magnificent projects at the crossroads between the worlds of art and humanitarian work between Zurich, Paris and Kenya. Charlotte von Stöttingen is one of those women, always overwhelmed and yet able to respond to requests in the second, and with a smile. She is the head of the Zurich Art Weekend, which highlights the art scene of the economic capital of Switzerland just before Art Basel, one of those cultural events that have been directly affected by the Covid crisis. But Charlotte only remembers the positive effects of the past few months.
1: I think it was like a call you know, like to humanity to say, OK, let's uh, work in sustainable ways, let's uh, live in sustainable ways, let's think of the bigger goods, let's get together to, to overcome this, this, this real problem affecting all of us.
0: In Paris, she created with four other women, Thanks for Nothing, a philanthropic association which mobilizes artists of the world of culture using the power of attraction of art to support social projects. But that's not all. In Kenya five years ago, Charlotte created with her husband and other family members Startup Lions and Learning Lions, two non-profit organizations whose goal is to encourage young adults in Kenya to learn about technology and to develop their own freelance activities or start-up from home. Together We look back at each of these projects, their origin, development and financing. In the course of the discussion, I understand how Charlotte managed to create a career for herself from scratch, linking her need for commitment with her lifelong passion, art. Charlotte explains me the specificities of the Zurich art scene. So you have um, not only big and pioneering institutions,
1: for Switzerland and Europe, but you also have some of the most important galleries worldwide and an incredible scene of those so-called off-spaces or project spaces which are populating the city and, and like nourishing like a real creation happening all around.
0: Together, we debate the role of galleries and museums today and we talk about the democratization of art and education. The discussion is rich, engaged, a true exchange which will make you feel good and will allow you, I hope, to draw from the words of Charlotte the strength to perhaps also create your own projects and get involved. With the added bonus, of course, of a double French accent, which will surely make you smile. Enjoy! Dear Charlotte, thank you very much for accepting my invitation on this podcast. So, as you know, my aim is to make the sparkling woman speak, and to start with, I wanted to know what did you think when you heard this name, Brillante? And do you have an example of a sparkling woman like this, someone that inspires you daily, maybe, that you would like to talk about?
1: Oh, this is a very good question. So first, thank you for um, for inviting me. I'm very um, I'm glad to have uh, to make this exercise for the first time. So someone who I found really uh, brilliant. Uh, it's a really difficult question because, like. Like I'm looking to so many um, so many people, but like one person that's really standard um but um i'm i'm um I'm thinking of um when i when I do things is mother Teresa <laughs> just because she um uh, you know she said this first, okay whatever you do, it's a drop uh, of contribution to you know the oceans of humanity or um, whatever is being done and created in the world.
0: Okay, so you work daily thinking of Mother
1: Teresa? I would not say I, would, I work daily thinking of Mother Teresa but like if I, you know, if I, even if it's like taking a little bit of the contre-pied of, you know, who someone could think, you know, uh, is like, who could be described as someone brilliant, yeah. I think she definitely is also in her complete humility and her, you know, who someone who actually were looking for everything but shining. And at the end, you know, like spread this energy and love around her, um, made it like being like a son, like really.
0: Very nice example. So to start with, I I want to just talk a bit about what's happening right now. We're just going out of the coronavirus crisis. Well, at least it's, uh, I'm not sure it's finished, but we had difficult times and I know that it has been uh, certainly impacting all your activities. I'm thinking of the Zurich Art Weekend that we are going to talk about, but How do you feel?
1: (laughs) I think it's an amazing parrot. I think it's extremely uh, interesting parrot. Like as ever in chaos, you have a lot of things that getting like disconstructed and um, even destroyed and crushed and the good things, but bad things as well. And in the middle of a chaos, you always uh, have opportunities. And I think it was like a call, you know, like to humanity to say, okay. Let's work in sustainable ways. Let's uh, live in sustainable ways. Let's think of the bigger goods. Let's get together to to overcome this real problem affecting all of us.
0: So you really saw like something changing for you in your in your daily life. Like you really think that this has been impacting. Like there is more solidarity and, and...
1: definitely, definitely, yeah. Do you have examples? So I would say, you know, like for me personally, like. If I will manage, you know, to really take the steps and you know, like what I've seen and what I've learned in this time, like spending more time with my family, um, having more time to reflect on things instead of like being like always in action. I hope I will be able to carry it for a longer period of time. But professionally and in, in the different like organization I'm into, uh, definitely. So it's been um it's it it has been a moment where we could finally stop, where we had to think better of like everything we were doing, like thinking okay what is the essence of of what we do and how do we want to bring it out and for this it's it's been like very 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 fruitful
0: do you have a concrete example i mean professionally yes
1: me. yes so um for example as you were mentioning it um so taking the Zurich art weekend our art is a bubble and we could witness really in this um, in this time that people and and different venues um and actors of the art world in this time were like finally really getting together, organizing themselves, and, and acting in solidarity. They were all very creative and inventive, and it was quite amazing to witness that as the spaces, all the spaces were closed, so the museum spaces were closed, the, the gallery spaces were closed, Like they still had to pursue their, their mission, and all of them then had to find new ways, innovative ways to do so. And suddenly, like in very different ways, like they were like an amazing production of, of content, happening like curators from the moma suddenly being you know like on channel accessible, a- accessible authentic you know speaking like about the, the maybe essence of their work and essence of uh, of what they're doing you know in, in their professional careers to everyone and you know it's something that that you normally don't have access to because either you you're lucky and you can access to the conference which is very neutral and very impersonal or you suddenly had the possibility to To just be online from your living room or from wherever you were and listen to someone speaking from his room. uh...
0: I would even say that for me, sometimes these experiences are not accessible to everyone because it's difficult to make art become really democratic. Like It's not so easy for everyone from every milieu, from every surrounding to even enter a gallery. Mm -hmm. And suddenly when it's just on social medias or on TV or Mm -hmm. something that everyone can access... Then maybe it's easier to really understand what's happening behind.
1: Yeah, you're touching like a really true point, and I think this is also like one of the core questions of like every museum in the world is like one of their mission is to educate, and one of their like objective is like to get this content to everyone, to children, to people in, in difficult situations. And as you're saying, like most of those people generally they don't go to the museum, so suddenly they had also to really rethink how they, they're bringing this content out. That I found, like, really interesting because suddenly everyone was pushed to do an act online, whereas, like, the, the in the art world, it's always been, like, you know, reluctant to it somehow. So we were really behind.
0: Yeah, because, I mean... Now you see all the good part of it, but I guess it was also a struggle, this crisis, for you. Your plans for the Zurich Art weekend have been cancelled. Then you've been moving the official weekend in September and the uh, Art Basel was supposed to be also in September, but in the end it was cancelled. Um, quite difficult. And you still have to kind of manage this situation with a lot of uncertainty, I guess. And part of it is going to be, how do you show art in the future? How are you going to do? And do you really believe that this... Uh, non-material like this uh, online works for art. Do you really believe that you can show art like this and continue I, no, like No, I think
1: nothing can replace the physical experience. I think you have to to really experience the art like physically. There is an energy uh, that comes out of the artworks and that you are like a lot of performances like, and that you can't experience online. But I think online tools it can bring content for you to get a better understanding of what you see then or, or can... Can bring you the envy to finally discover, I don't know, a museum or works. It's like, like Before
0: going to an exhibition, reading about the artist and reading about the exhibition, so you have yeah, a better but understanding. Yeah, in a very light
1: way, because the, that has been also the problem that um, there were like many publications. But I, I, like when we talk about th- this kind of like population, like no one reads. And like even for each of us, it's, it's reading is like we do that all day long already. And then not many people like, you Take know, the have time. the luxury, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: To understand a bit more who you are, I wanted to know where do you come from? Where were you born and raised?
1: okay, so I was born in Limoges and mm-hmm. I was like mostly raised there until i um went to like boarding school and then and then study
0: well how was it to to be raised there?
1: It was um, it was like a total freedom like being a, like in middle of the nature most of the time. And uh, like we were traveling a lot with my parents, but as we were there, yes, I was like riding horses every day, and uh, you know, like having this typical countryside life—you can
0: imagine. And you moved to Paris later, or you moved to big cities later?
1: Yes, so I went to boarding school first uh, in Blois, which I enjoyed a lot. It was like kind of like a particular setting, but uh, I really enjoyed it. And then afterwards, I moved to uh, to Germany actually to start my study, and then afterwards um, France and 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 later on okay.
0: the UK. And what did you want to become as a as a kid?
1: I, I think I wanted to become a nurse <laughs> as a kid, or maybe a horse rider or something like that. Yeah.
0: Well, it's funny because you so you wanted to become a nurse, but then you when I look at your what you've done as studies and then as a work, you first went to business school. Yeah. And uh, art came actually quite late. Yeah. Maybe in the second step. Yeah. So what made you change? Why did you actually, actually
1: art was there all the time? So art. You know, since, like, um, I don't know, like, uh, since the age of six or seven, you know, like, I was in a like, art studio, painting, like, every weekend. And then later on, like, always took it, you know, as an option at school.
0: Do you have artists in your family?
1: No. So I you were the only But, one. like, my parents, like, like always drove like, us along, you know, like, at museum, to museums and whatever, you know, wherever we would go, you know would be part of those kids, you know, like (laughs) like Mm -hmm. spending their lives like visiting exhibitions. But no no artists. Like more like they're more into music.
0: So you were always like connected to art, but then you thought maybe it's is it too scary or is it uh, not secure enough to go into art for real? Or what was your what did you think when you when you Yes, I
1: really, you know, like as I finished, you know, like as I had my um baccalaureate, I just thought I had no clue, you know, what I wanted to do, and then and then my my strategy was, I must do something as broad as possible, you know, to not, not have any closed door. So I was like, either it's for economics, law, or history. You know, that was like the, the three option I was like considering.
0: So you went to a business school in France, mm-hmm. then Germany, Germany, yeah, and then in your masters you actually decided to go to art, right?
1: Yes, exactly. It's like after my business studies, I basically realized, okay, what I'm actually interested in. Is art or human- humanitarian work? And I was like, let's first try with art. And then I, I discovered like history of art. And I was like, okay, this is actually what I, I want to study.
0: And you went to London for this master's? Yeah. Why London? I don't
1: remember what uh, motivated my child. I think, you know, I heard of like a very good fans studying in that school and who really spoke highly about it. And they told me about this discussion group, you know, where you would be eight students, you know, in the class with the, the teacher going to museums, you it's know. It's the like,
0: Courtauld yeah. Institute of Art, yeah. yeah.
1: And I thought this is amazing. And so I, I thought, okay, this is what I, I want to experience as well.
0: And what do you take from these studies that you've done? Did you learn something specific that you're using every day or that you really took out?
1: Yes, a lot of things. I, um, I think, you know, this analytical... Perspective you get when looking at an artwork and how to articulate it, even if I'm not using it in my daily jobs and my daily activities. But you know, generally when I look at art, that's what's happening
0: in my head. Yeah. So then you start your career after your masters. You went into art. Mm-hmm. I thought that you were in, the, for instance, the Swiss Church uh, in London, but also it in was La F- yeah. in La Fiac, yeah. in Paris, also in Geneva for four years for a well-known uh, gallery.
1: Mm-hmm. Art time. advisor, yeah, Marc Plondeau, yeah, yeah.
0: But then you changed and you went to Humanitarian mm-hmm. and you created, I think together with your husband, Startup Lions and Learning Lions. Mm-hmm. Can you explain me a bit? So you were always in between <laughs> what was happening in your head and why do you kind of... You kind of make your master's, you are really going into arts, I have the feeling it's what you really want to do, but then after five years, okay, no, I changed my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not like this, you know, I think,
1: you know, everything t- t- takes more time, it's a longer process, and actually it was a dream I had since ever, and that I share with my husband. We had this dream of, uh, yeah, getting engaged for a time uh, for social humanitarian work. And at some point, you know, like we were both very comfortable in our respective jobs, and we thought, okay, this is the moment where we have to now go, because uh, later we'd be too late or just impossible.
0: Yeah, when you are parents or we're in exactly, are too settled. so
1: so we d- decided both to quit, and go for a project that would really be something that we would be able to carry on for our lives, either. Not the sole family project we had or uh, now have, but um, but also to have something else apart from that. Um, Can
0: you explain a bit what what was the project? What is the project actually? Because it's still yeah, existing. Yeah, so,
1: so the project is about educating young people in ICT skills for them to become financially independent and work from wherever they are and from their home region, basically.
0: A home region, which is like in a really lost part so like, of it, Kenya?
1: Exactly. So like the project is in Turkana, Kenya. So it's like the, one of the poorest region in Kenya, uh, northern part, bordering South Sudan and Ethiopia and Uganda, where there is absolutely nothing. So it's so remote. You don't even have a road um, going there from Nairobi. And you have two million inhabitants. 75% of them are below 25 years of age. They're quite well educated because Kenya invested a lot in the last ten years into education. So I would not say that most of them have a baccalaureate, but but a good part of that of those uh, young people had the chance to to go to school and and have a baccalaureate. But after that, they have absolutely no perspective. And the idea of the project is to give them perspective in the region where they're coming from.
0: So explain me: you were working in Geneva in you really comfortable job, and then you decide to create this. You moved to Africa. Yeah. Uh, What's happening (laughs) How also, how do you take, I mean, how do you take the decision? Because it means also like finding money for this. Yeah. Uh, Finding, like changing everything.
1: Yeah. So we started really from scratch. So the idea was not ours. So basically, so we were, uh, you know, ready to invest our time and our our competences into a project. And we're like looking at projects all around the world. And like, and they were like amazing projects all over, but we couldn't decide for one or the other. And then suddenly I have this cousin of mine who was um, in that region de- doing like a very basic development projects, like building hospitals, building schools, and who was witnessing this whole situation in rural Africa. And so it's okay one should kind of invent a concept that could work for rural Africa to enable like, the young people of Africa to become motors of their economies. And because it's a little bit geek, he's sort of this, this kind of crazy project. You know, you bring computer in this most remote part of Kenya. So you have to imagine it's a desert, and you teach them my ICT in the hope to let them become freelancer. And he just needed like person to help him on that way. And um, and so we 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 came there. But we know at the beginning, you know, like the life expectation of the project was like near to zero that's uh, how
0: did you find the money for, for it to finance so the project the first project? money we
1: found uh, was like uh, through crowdfunding so we organized a crowdfunding and uh, like we, we were needing like 100k and we got it
0: I think this is going to be one of your specialities in the <laughs> future <laughs> finding money finding for money. projects
1: exactly <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah no like luckily it's not it's not like the only thing I do because otherwise it would be quite boring or stressful
0: stressful I guess yes yeah. And is it working? This project, yes, is it successful? Like now it's like
1: amazingly working, yeah. Like so, now so the project exists since five years. So it was like um, five like very uh, wrenching years where we learned a lot. Uh, it was not easy; It was not given because it was not reproducing anything existing somewhere else. Like the condition, like, were extreme because you have to imagine there the young people. It starts from there. Like the young people, they don't have a role model. You know, they don't know exactly what it means. To work online, you know, they, they grew up in society where there not even cars on the streets. There, there was just nothing, you know, so you really start from scratch. And we had actually no clue how to how to develop it. So it was quite tough, but we kind of like managed through the years. And then what helped us a lot is that we won the Google Impact Challenge some years ago. And uh, what is it exactly? It was like Google has this prize that they're giving out like once a year to retribute the best tech and impact project they find. And this was the first prize, like like the, f- the first time for Africa. So it was uh, like out of 5,000 organizations selected um, all around Africa. And so they did a due diligence on us. And then, and then after like a very long process of nearly a year. We were accredited with this prize, which gave us like a credibility that we didn't have before. Because the, the first question everyone would ask us was like, "Why don't you first give them food. water and food water. exactly? Yeah. <laughs> why do you? Why do you want to bring them computer? Like, how stupid is that?" So it was difficult to. And and then the second question would be, "Does it work?" <laughs> so if you have like an organization like, like Google, Google giving, giving like you a this, certification, like exactly like the two stamps of. It's the best project we found for IT and impact in Africa. It's, it's helping.
0: So yes, you went there, you went in Africa for two years?
1: So no, like on the ground, we just spent one year. Because now like the co-founders, so they, they like, we're now six. So we started, we were... Um, it's like a
0: family business now?
1: It's not a family business, but yes, it was a kind of a family project then because like my brother-in-law also joined like from the beginning and uh, then uh, like two, three more over time. And now it's like, I would say it's a community project because it started with a few of us and now we're getting more and more and more. And there is like a huge community now of like volunteers and and especially like long term involved and recurring volunteers of 40 to, to 50 people working on the project. And now so we have, so within those five years, we have had like 250 young lions, we call them lions went through the program and yeah about 80 of them are now like financially independent so they earn sufficient money for them and their family to be able to live a good life and uh
0: nice you know, yeah no so you're still engaging some of your time for the project because now you are you also are working on two big projects thanks for nothing and zero cat weekend so how do you organize your time
1: do you... Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's still a question I have, you know, like how I should organize myself. It's difficult. So yes, Africa, I'm still involving a lot of time, especially as we know now building a big uh, campus for 300 students, like in the middle of nowhere with the architect Francis Ka And this going to come out of the ground next year in February. So um, uh, this is quite a um, yeah, big consuming. step. And, yeah. and time And time-consuming as well, yeah.
0: Okay. But then in 2017... I think you, together with four other girls in Paris, completely mm-hmm. other projects, coming back to art. You created this uh, philanthropic association called Thanks for Nothing. You can maybe explain us with your words what is it exactly? Yeah. What is it, what is exactly the project about? What was the original idea? Yeah.
1: So actually, it was you know there were like bridges, you know, it was not not coming to the arts. Back in the days, like I was back in Europe. And um I had this uh, this idea and willingness to bridge the art and humanitarian causes. And as I as I came back from Kenya, so I shared this idea with this friend of mine, Blanche de Lestrange, who was a uh, Who is uh, now
0: still in the association? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: And uh and I think like a few months later, as she was talking about that, with Marine, like Marine, I think, also had something like this in mind. And so we thought, OK, then, you know, let's do it together. And um, so they were friends of yours, like, uh, since? So Blanche since was a friend of mine since ever. And Marine was a friend of Blanche since ever, okay. kind of. And Blanche kind of put us together. Yeah, And so, yeah, and the project started. And it was like the first project that, that, that was very concrete. It was this um, exhibition at the Palais Tokyo and the auction. We so- dream under the same sky.
0: Um, no, but just, I mean, now I like you're talking, to the project, you are three
1: yeah.
0: and yeah. you, young women with uh, experience in art, decide to create something that is going to, it's, it's a very new concept. I mean, maybe it exists somewhere else, but at least I think in Paris, it was a very new concept. How do you do? What uh, what are the first steps? Like you, you have this first event in Palette Tokyo, but what was the real idea? Was it planned, for instance, that it was only women? But it's planned
1: that you- no, 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 of course not. And and so as we started, it was um, so it was you know like again, you know like people coming together for like maybe their own reason, for you know like their own belief, their own idea, their own past, and then suddenly you find yourself at the same crossroad at the same time. And um, and that's how you know this adventure was engaged, and we had this very concrete project uh, of this um, uh, like for this, this refugee association. It was very taboo back in the days, you know, in France, you know, no one would touch on the topic, and so they would get no help. And so we worked very, you know, precisely for that project the first year where we got together, you know. So, so for for like Paris Tokyo was a, exactly. So, so yeah. what was it exactly? So it was an exhibition. So it was like like artists giving works being exhibited in a museum and then a sales at auction to support five NGOs working on the sides of refugees a different moment of their past
0: and how successful was the project
1: and this project was very successful and 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 this project like gave them the the fundamentals and the wings a little bit to what was to come in the future because we all realized you know that everyone would for a bigger cause have no problem to get together and suddenly you would Find museums and galleries and auction houses and collaborating. What you would you would normally not really see, uh, not at this scale at least. And everyone we approached, every single artist, they were like only big names, and ask you know like for them to donate something. All of them you know respond positively, and on top we then suddenly realized, you know, like people were coming out with stories. I'm actually a son of a refugee or my grandfather was also a refugee. And I feel it's, it was it was very interesting to
0: see how personal it, it would get. And I have a question, like, as you wanted to link these two topics that are interesting you since the beginning, art and philanthropic uh, humanitarian associations, is there something in, in the art world that is not uh, philanthropic enough? Is there also something that you were denunciating not at all no
1: i really think like the, the, the artists you know they have this position a little bit like outside society which enables us to enable them to to have a different look and and their means of expressions you know it enables more people you know to to gather around it and and get a different perspective and understanding maybe of their surrounding world while looking at art and like the starting point was really let's use the voice of the artists to get people together for an important cause. that was the idea behind the, the project.
0: Do you have one one other experience that you've done with uh, Thanks for Nothing that you can t- tell us about, like something that was really like touching you, or for which you were really working hard? Um, because it's it's like it's existing since two thousand seventeen, so three years already. Yeah. You just actually celebrated the three yeah, years, exactly. And I have the feeling it's getting bigger and bigger. The association just won the prize in in Paris in the 14th arrondissement of Paris, to kind of reorganize a huge space of 4,000 square meters uh, and to dedicate it to to art and solidarity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's taking more and more importance, isn't
1: it? Isn't it? Yeah. What I think is like the great thing that we're witnessing is all these different public that were not exchanging before with each other certainly gets to exchange, you know, like and get the platform to exchange with each other. And they nourish each other in an amazing way. For example, another project we did um, some times ago was the uh, Nuit Blanche in 2018. Um, for the
0: environment, no?
1: It was not for the environment. It was the, this was last year. So it was the year before. It was like to support different associations who were working alongside most of the time, like population, like in in, in difficulties and gathering for them like cultural objects. It could be books, it could be music instruments. And so we invited artists to perform during the Nuit Blanche from six in the evening until two in the night. And the artists were performing. So on the roads where we built like really huge stages where the association would be for once present. So we reversed the, you know, the idea of like,
0: the Spectrum yeah. exactly
1: the spectrum, and you know, like this joy you witness in, in artists, but you know, participating in such a thing for the just the good cause and the association being really touched for like to suddenly be a little bit in the light. You know, like most of these volunteers that work for um, association, m- most of the time, you know, like there is no one whom they can share. Um, with what they're doing and, and no one who is really interested you know like in
0: that's maybe the, the, the clever idea like to take the sparkling part of the art because it is yeah, always interesting art yeah, art, yeah, art, exactly. art interest, art of course yeah and if we talk about the, the last project that you have that's because uh, you are running these three projects all together <laughs> on your daily life as we said the last project that you were creating I think just one year after starting just one year after is the Zurich Art Weekend mm-hmm it was in 2018, isn't it? Yes, it was in 2018. So it was initiated by. In this time, just to know, you were between Paris and Zurich, or you were? What were you doing in, in Zurich? Why did you suddenly arrive in Zurich?
1: Because, like after Kenya, I, there, it's like where I landed back in Europe.
0: Because of uh, because your of a husband, project of or... my husband. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No. And so yes, I was between Paris and Zurich, but based here, and I wanted to get engaged as well here in the local scene. And so, like, you know, encounters, if suddenly, you know, put on my way, this is weekend that was to build up or to be built up. And, uh, and so we started and in three months, we had three so months to put up the first edition. Yours,
0: but you were the one that's the, the, the first one to really work on the project. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you have to do? What, what's so, the-
1: yeah, Everything. So, you like you know, from, uh, you know, getting the scene together here, so the museums, the galleries, the art spaces, to initiating with them together or in collaboration, like events, uh, you know, to really place the rake on the world art map before at Basel. So to enable, you know, like to, here the city to get organized, to basically offer like really... Amazing time for people, you know, coming from all over the world. And, and
0: what is the advantage of Zurich? Why was it a good idea for Zurich?
1: I think you know we have like we're very um, there is here like an, like very interesting art scene. It's the biggest city in in Switzerland. So you have um, not only big and pioneering institutions for Switzerland and Europe, but you also have some of the most important galleries worldwide being based here, and an incredible scene of those so-called off-spaces or project spaces, which are non-profit-run spaces by artists or curators and which are like populating the city and, and like nourishing like a real creation happening all around.
0: So you kind of spotted that something had to be created there. But you... And but there it, were this, this amazing timing of Art Basel, of course. Yes. So Because the Zurich at weekend is always... Always
1: the weekend preceding Art Basel. Yes. Yeah, so you yes. always
0: like you benefit from all the people that are visiting the Art Basel. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. To to And you, who want to
1: take little bit more, you know, time maybe before, you know, and get deep down in the arts, you know, like and visit, you know, to have the time to discuss with like creators, to with galleries, to meet artists, to see exhibition in the spaces, you know. It's a very different format than a fair.
0: And I mean, in, in all the cities in Europe, or I, I would say even uh, the biggest cities all over the world, there are these uh, gallery weekends where all the galleries are uh, like uh, gathering and mm, doing these events during the one weekend to make sure that, uh, I mean, to also create noise. To what extent is Zurich Art Weekend something different? I think what's,
1: you know, like, what is very particular to each one of those cities is, like, the geographical the, the location, in fact, you know, and what's happening here. So, as I started the Zurich Art Weekend, as I started, we didn't create anything, you know, like, the quality of the content was pre-existent, of course. So, it's just a matter, you know, to organize, to, out of it, you know, like, make a, like interesting program and get, you know, like, all these actors to play together.
0: And for the Art Weekend, it's not only galleries together. It's more than this.
1: So you have exactly all the institutions, all the yeah. curators. You have like all these off spaces with with like this younger scene, you know, which is behind it.
0: And again, how do you finance such a project?
1: Yeah. So again, so yes, you have to look for money. <laughs> so you're back. Yeah. Private money. So sponsoring, partners. Yeah. And then like each member, participating member, pays a fee to support the initiative.
0: I wanted to know also... I mean, the, the art world is evolving a lot. Mm-hmm. Galleries are not always in really good condition. But indeed, as you just said, Zurich still has a lot of really big galleries. It's not only Zurich, but in Switzerland, there are really big galleries. Also in Engadin, for instance, there are many like huge galleries. And How would you describe the economy of art here in Switzerland? I think, again, it's quite interesting
1: to see which kind of uh, perspective and view people have on the the art markets, because like of course the the newspaper they are full of these amazing stories paintings being sold for millions and millions, but these are always the exception of the art markets, so the art markets you know like it's a it's a very complex ecosystem that starts actually with the off spaces and you know a few artworks being sold for a few hundred uh, francs or dollars or whatever, and then later on you have the galleries you know with younger artists also just sold for a few thousands uh francs or dollars and then and then eventually you know some of them few of them you know like really making then uh big numbers and and getting them to auction and then being part of this but it's it's this um yeah a little bit like bling bling maybe around it and like those, those big prizes from time to time in, at auctions which are published you know which uh makes well,
0: it like yeah uh, I think it's a mix because uh, in the media, we, of course, we see and we read about these big stories. We read about the fact that there are so many, like, uh, incredible uh, galleries where pieces of art are sold for thousands and thousands of dollars. But it also, for me, really often I have the feeling when I enter a gallery that it's difficult. It can be a difficult experience. You can be alone in the gallery. There is this atmosphere that's quite uh, selective. Mm-hmm. It's not like a really democratic place
1: yeah but you have to imagine first like like for example, galleries they are like open to the public all the time. you know there are not many businesses, well, it's a gallery, of course, you know, like it's a principle of being a gallery, you know showing works, but you know they make this effort of like paying someone who is at the door, you know for if to enable anyone to enter. And, and to and see Exactly. Of art. Then that, that this person doesn't jump on you, you know, like as you enter or, you know, receive you with a glass of water, you know. In which other context would you see that? So, you for know?
0: you, the aim is not to make it more democratic, galleries. They have to stay this kind of elite uh, place. Not, no. Not elite, but um, reserved to certain kind of people that really know about art, that really know about what they're go- coming to see. It's just you, that, that, do, you that, that you don't see what I mean when I, I meet.
1: See. Yeah, I kind of see what you mean. But it's true that the galleries, they they are like very important, you know, like actor of the culture. You know, they're already making this effort of like being open, you know, like all day and all week long. And you have to imagine most of the time, you know, they're very uh, small entities, you know, like I don't know what's the average number of employees per galleries. But I would not be surprised if it would be two or three or even one. I don't know, you know, but it must be. uh, So, but this, you know, like education part. Like with, you know, someone welcoming you, giving you a tour. Explaining um, you what's exactly. behind. Exactly. So uh, this is like the job of museums, you know, like the, the museum, they're paid by the city to do that job, you know. Now, it would be great, of course, if we would like exist also in galleries, you know. And I think maybe now, after COVID, you know, one could see since to visit a gallery, one had to take an appointment. Some galleries have started to do that. And this is, of course, I'm like extremely happy about that. I'm extremely happy about that. But what I want to say that I have the impression most of the time people expect a lot, you know, more from the galleries and the galleries in general, they can not do. You know what I mean? Because imagine if you're like, you're a gallerist, you're working in your little gallery, you know, you're making your, I don't know, maximum one exhibition a month, but most of the time it's like one exhibition every two months. You know, you're struggling to help your artists sell your artworks do your daily administration stuff you have to do so imagine you know like the, like they their life and then on top you know you should make yourself available every time someone enters your gallery you know what i mean
0: yeah maybe it's um maybe it's actually actually something that has to be done also by the state. maybe maybe it is part of it i don't know maybe it's my, my really french way of thinking but anyways <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I think museum
1: are there for... And I think... No, yeah. actually, you know, now, so what we're, like, launching during the, the, the Zurich Country Weekend, or we're not launching it, but, like, since 2018, we're doing that, that we're organizing our tours. You know, instead of having one guide for one place or one guide in one museum or for one exhibition, we have, like, guides that take the public and it's, like, open to the public. And I, free. I went
0: there last year, and indeed, it was, like, really for the... It's not for the first time, but then suddenly you realize why are these people here? Why are they kind of in this gallery, and, uh, and you understand what's happening, yeah, what is the story behind, yeah. which is super nice. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, but I completely understand this frustration you have, you know, like, don't get me wrong. But therefore, like, now, like, we, we started this tour to yeah. enable, you know, like, a bigger, broader public, you know, to get access to, to knowledge. So until now, we were holding this tour just during the weekend, and now we would, like, actually to extend it all year long.
0: That's what's going to be my question. What is your yeah. plan for the next few years for the Zurich Art Weekend? So really like the, the Zurich
1: Art Weekend, it always remains like the point of focus in the year uh, in Zurich. So where the the entire art scene gathers and offers the world the best of what it does. But the art scene is here, present all year and we want to enable the public to profit from it as well better like all year round. So we're now launching two initiatives. One is those art tours with different typologies that we will offer all year long, so different aim and art for lunch. So it's like forty-five minutes where you can go. It's it's about like meeting basically the uh, the actors of the art world. So you go to one gallery and and you you have forty-five minutes with the galleries and the artists to to really get like a, have a deep focus into one single. Well, that goes
0: with <laughs> what we were talking about, like making it more understandable for yes, people. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So, no I, way, I,
1: I definitely see, you know, like this need of uh, democratization. But yeah, I think, you know, like each city, each, um, like the ecosystem, you know, should get organized. And, and so here it's like a little tiny part that we, we play. <laughs>
0: what would you say is the biggest challenge that you're facing?
1: With the Zurich Outweekend?
0: Yeah. Um, but I'm also interested in knowing this for Thanks for Nothing, for instance
1: good question most of the time is like with very little means trying to make the best and it's it, it's they're all very small organizations and enables you to like it it, it requires to be like very innovative and very creative so, you know like as, as as you like confront any challenge you know if you manage to overpass it then you're stronger after but on the moment it's it's it's, yeah, it's sort of challenging <laughs>
0: And I guess there is also something that must be challenging, is that you are basically, with your three projects we've been talking about, you are between Kenya, Paris and Zurich. So how basically do you do? Do you have one day dedicated to one project or do you...
1: No, it's like an ongoing process, like for everything. And I think
0: it's... it With two kids also.
1: Yeah, with two kids as well, yeah. Yeah, so I just take it, you know, as it comes. And, there are... and then with the time, you know, like I kind of learned to like prioritize better and... There are...
0: All those projects are quite ambitious. They, even if they are small, like you say, like they have the ambition to to live for many years and to be really persistent. Aren't you scared sometimes?
1: No, I would be scared if it would be the opposite, right? If I would have the impression, you know, I'm, I'm working for something that has absolutely no future, that would be terrible.
0: And financially, how do you... How, aren't you sometimes thinking like, okay, it would be actually nice to work... Uh, uh, with a real job in a in a, <laughs> a n- not a real job, but in a re- big company with a sa- salary that's coming every month, and
1: yeah, more than the salary, because most of my engagement are kind of like volunteers. It's it's the the stability, you know, like or just the, the possibility to say, okay, I'm I'm going on vacation, and uh, you know, I won't touch my computer for a month, and 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 you know, this is completely normal and accepted. Or uh, you know, like the possibility to be sick as well. You know, uh-huh. because in my activities, like, this is you very... cannot stop. Exactly, I cannot stop. So even if when I have to stop, it's very difficult. You know, I still have to, yeah, to be connected.
0: Even pregnant, you have to organize events and... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Another question is about the network. I guess this also, all this organization also comes with a network that is for sure super important for everything to work all together. How do you do to maintain, develop your network in between several cities like this? And there is something that I like, concept that I like, uh, this concept of sorority, sisterhood, you know, this kind of uh, solidarity that exists between women, maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of it because you are working with women for the Thanks for Nothing and you are also engaged for women some, in some projects in this association. What's your hint on it?
1: To be honest, I don't have any internet. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, you Yeah, no, like on, um, so, you know, but uh, like some projects I'm doing um, solely with um, with women just came, you know, like naturally, you know, like I, I, all the projects, you know, yeah, that came, you know, it was not by chance, even if, you know, we appreciate a lot, you know, to like start appliance, for example, I would say maybe there are more men in the organization. Thanks for nothing. More girls. And then here in Zurich, it's kind of like mixed. Maybe more girls here as well. So I love working with girls, don't take me wrong, but um, it was not, you know, like... A...
0: Actually, there are many girls in art.
1: There are many girls in the art, yeah. The truth, yeah. I don't know why, but in fact... So and like, the, yeah, the question of network, I, I think, you know, it's, it's like as you, as you work and, and as you're active, you know, you just develop your network. It's not something, you know...
0: You're not thinking like, okay, I must go to this event. I must meet these people. I must uh, send uh and messages, uh, organize lunches. And I guess it's it's also, it's like these are events and organizations that really work like this also.
1: Yes, of course. But, but it's you like, make it, you do it's, it naturally. It's like, exactly, it's part of my job. So I do it, you know, for what I'm doing here. Yeah. So no tips. <laughs> maybe, you know, as I started my career, was maybe afraid of writing, you know, to certain people and now, and now is the time you know i'm realizing actually you know like the simple you you go about things the easier it is yeah. and actually you know interesting people they're always very open to new things new ideas and to so it's also a filter you know like if someone doesn't reply or so then you think okay it's good like this yeah don't even have to insist <laughs> yeah
0: that's a good <laughs> tip <CMT>. see <laughs> I'm going to finish with uh, uh, short questions. Well, short questions, but you answer as you want. In your opinion, what is the challenge of a woman today?
1: I think it's uh, to conciliate professional life and personal life.
0: Professional life and personal life. Yeah,
1: definitely. I think it's a huge challenge. Because still, I mean, I haven't heard yet of uh, a man being pregnant, (laughs) for example. (laughs) No, but seriously... um... Yeah, still, you know, most of the things are on the shoulder of uh, of the mother, and uh, and and I think maybe even generally, you know, maybe maybe even men see it like this, and to be disconnected as well. I think I think the generation of our parents, you know, they they were working when they were at the office, but then they would they would go out and or like on vacation, and then you know from that moment on they would not be connected anymore, and uh, and we are constantly connected, and it's very difficult to switch off.
0: And what is the most important part of the education for you? What, what is the most important thing that you want to teach your children and maybe especially your daughter? I think
1: the amazing thing is that nowadays you can do whatever you want and whatever you like, but just go like to the very end of your ideas and, uh, and trust in yourself.
0: If you were a man for 24 hours, what would you do? <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I never ask myself the question. Uh, what would I do? Yeah, I really have like, a difficult time answering that question because I'm I'm thinking... What can they do that I cannot? So I actually have no answer to that one. Yeah,
0: you don't need to answer. That's fine. (laughs) What are you afraid of?
1: I'm afraid of being late (laughs) because I'm always late.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's maybe part of (laughs) again the organization. And what are you proud of?
1: I'm immensely proud of my children, of course.
0: What is it for you to succeed?
1: I think to, yeah, to, to realize your, your project, your vision, uh, your dreams, and being pissed with it as well.
0: What inspires you? Do you have maybe a book, something you read, something you listen to, something to you're watching that inspires you in the daily life?
1: Researchers inspire me, generally, because um, I think it's, it's amazing when, when you search the unknown. You work maybe and dedicate your entire life without knowing what you're going to find. And again, you know, I think you must be swamble so you know to uh, to act this way, so I'm yeah very inspired by there
0: and last but not least, who would you like to hear in this podcast? Oh, I would like to be a artist do you have a name from Paris or
1: from zurich Laurie Anderson from New York from Zurich. maybe I should take a uh, I don't know because it you... has to be a woman no exactly it has to be a woman, so I was just thinking of woman artist from Zurich, yeah, you could have a uh, Pipi Lotiris, for example.
0: Cool. Yeah. I will think of it. <laughs> Many thanks, Charlotte. Thanks to you. And uh, yeah. have a nice evening. Yeah, you too. Bye. That's it. The episode is over. I hope you've enjoyed it. To help me grow brilliant, feel free to rate this podcast with 5 stars and share it around you with your friends, family or colleagues. It's precious. And keep for yourself the advice that Charlotte gives to her children. Go to the very end of your ideas and trust in yourself.